Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm excited to have my next guest, Robbie Kelman-Baxter, the author of The Forever Transaction and the Membership Economy. Robbie, thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. And I know we, we were talking before recording. I told you I normally don't have folks that are uh, don't live in Portland on, but I think your two books, especially what's going on right now, are really relevant to companies and you know just keeping consumers engaged. So we'd love for you just to start off, give a little overview of yourself and kind of your newest book, but also the membership economy as well. Sure. Um, so uh, for the last 20 years or so, I've been pretty focused on working with businesses that are what I would call part of the membership economy, businesses that focus on a long-term relationship with their customers, treat their customers like they belong and like they know them, um, using techniques and tactics like subscription pricing, membership clubs, uh, use of freemium, so where some people get a subscription for free, others pay for it, um, all of those kinds of, of tactics to build a new kind of business model. and. Um, I, about five years ago, I wrote my first book, The Membership Economy, and that was really just to explain to people this concept that there were there was this new way of engaging with customers. Um, you could see it with Netflix. You could see it with uh, longtime professional associations. You could see it with news organizations. Um, it was, but the same principles were at the heart of it, and that organizations that applied those principles in almost any business, any kind of industry could build deeper relationships, enjoy recurring revenue, enjoy more profitable revenue, higher valuations, greater flexibility, closer to the customer, all goodness and motherhood and apple pie. And people didn't really see it. So I felt like I had to write it in the membership yeah. economy. Now, now five years later, uh, people get it. Everybody is trying to figure out how to go direct, how to build subscription revenue, um, but they're bumping into problems which I would define loosely as, you know, focusing on the subscription pricing without thinking about how everything else needs to align with that pricing model. Yeah. Well, let's drill down on that a little bit. Um, maybe you can use some examples from, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, like the Netflix of the world, but what are some other companies that are doing it really well? And maybe some, some uh, specifics of, you know, beyond just the, uh, the transactional costs, but some things that you can you can share that uh, you know small businesses even can can utilize. 
Yeah. So what's what's great about these concepts is that they work for the smallest of businesses, um, right up to the big ones. So solopreneurs, um, which my kids think is a ridiculous fake word, but people use it. <laughs> I'm one right? of those. Yeah, I use that. <laughs> Me word. too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we 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 speak the same language. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, solopreneurs that have subject matter expertise, and we're seeing this increasingly. Where um, you know, maybe in the past they used to have um, coaching, uh, and maybe consulting work, and maybe wrote a book, but now they're starting to layer in memberships uh, where people who've maybe gone through their training or their boot camp can now interact with others that are doing the same mm-hmm. thing, trying to achieve the same goal and also work in maybe, you know, one-on-one relationship on an ongoing basis with that thought leader. So right. uh, one great example that I feature in the membership economy, Alan Weiss, who um, is kind of the leading expert on uh, independent consulting models. He has uh, this, this model uses it really well. There's um, free services. There's uh, a paid subscription. There are transactional, you know, experiences. And once you go through one of the major experiences, you're in the community. And what that does is it allows all the people that have had an experience with him go deeper with him in between these major live right. events. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also creates value for each new member through the expertise of the other members. So Alan is no longer the only person providing value. His, his trainees, his disciples are now helping one another, creating more value. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of a very small business. Another small business, car washes. Uh, I spoke last year at the International Car Wash Association. Um, you know, most car washes now are moving to subscription models. So instead of paying, you know, 10 bucks for a car wash, you might pay somewhere between you know, two and four times, let's say $25 a month for unlimited car washes. And what that's doing, the way you do this model is you align the value that your customers want with the way you charge. So I don't want a car wash. I want a clean car. And ideally, I just want the car to be clean. I don't even want to go to the car wash. So the closer the company can get to that reality the happier the customer is going to be and the more willing to pay on an ongoing basis. I, I love these examples. And I think it feeds on itself a little bit from the consumer perspective. We're seeing where these models come in place. So people maybe are more adept to signing up for subscriptions or whether it's a car yeah. wash or more B2B like coaching relationship. So um, can you talk about how that psychology of just the consumers are being, it's more normalized to these like subscriptions for every type of thing. It used to be cable TV, now it's car watches, right? So, Right, 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 exactly. And, and so for better or worse, consumers are way more sophisticated about subscriptions. I think, you know, the, the good news about that is, you know, consumers are willing to trust organizations, big and small, to pay, you know, a monthly or annual fee in exchange for services. So, you know, you, you ask for examples of who's doing that really well. Adobe, you know, big company has transitioned almost exclusively to subscription pricing, SaaS, mm-hmm. uh, software as a service. Um, Salesforce, also in the B2B space, does this really well. Uh, LinkedIn, Spotify, Amazon Prime, these are all examples of companies that many, many people use every single day. And so we're used to it. Um, it's in our when it's done right. It's in our interest because subscription puts the focus of the business on solving your ongoing problem, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. You can move on to the next thing on your right. to do list. 
So that's really, you know, the psychology. It, it, it mitigates risk uh, by, you know, helping you manage your costs. It gives you a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps you be recognized for your contributions or your achievements, like going right up Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. It's, it's a very human, human thing. Yeah. I mean, even my dry cleaner does a subscription now. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's like a, a door-to-door thing. So you just hang it on the door and it's a monthly thing and they come pick it up. And uh, I, I'm wondering if we'll ever get burnt out because now it's like, oh, we're managing 100 subscriptions, each one of us, or I don't know. Yeah. Well, there is, you know, there's so much subscription fatigue right now. Um, I actually think that, you know, what's going on specifically right now with, you know, April of, of, of 2020 with the coronavirus, um, people are a little more tolerant, but generally there's this surge of subscription fatigue where people are saying things like, um, I shouldn't have to subscribe to that. I just want to wash my one, my one dress. I don't want to subscribe right. to unlimited dry cleaning. <laughs> Why are you forcing me to do that? Or, yeah. you know, which I think of as a product market fit problem. Um, people also complain about not being able to use the value they're paying for it, which often consumers will say as their own fault, like class pass, you know, where you can go and do different uh, fitness classes uh, for a monthly fee. You get a certain right. number of classes anywhere. People, like I, I had a client and she said to me, you know, I love class pass. All in one set, one, one breath. She says, I love class pass so much. It's such a great service. They give you all of these classes. You can experience all these things. I can go with my sister. I love it so much. I never go though. And I have all of these class <laughs> passes that are piling up. And so I'm probably going to cancel. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa, you just went from, I love it to I'm going to cancel. Right. So that's, a, that's another problem. And then I think the third problem that people have with, with subscriptions is Companies that hide the cancel button that make it, and we're seeing a lot of that right now. Um, there was there's a there's an ongoing litigation in in Boston right now where the Boston um, Sports Club, uh, which is you know a, a chain of I don't know thirty or something fitness centers around Boston, very well regarded. Uh, you know they had to close down in March, and they charged their members in April. Well, I have my gym. Uh, we recently was in the news for uh, that, and they 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 pivoted to making it very easy to cancel if you wanted to. But in getting getting more into the where we're at right now, you said April twenty twenty in the midst of the COVID nineteen, a lot of small businesses are being affected. Um, what's some of your advice, maybe to them who maybe they're retail shops, ice cream shops, or or whatever that they can implement? but not hit that subscription fatigue on people. I think you said people are being a little more tolerant to it right now, but. Yeah. So, so there's a couple, there's like the, what do you do right now? Like, Oh no, here I am. Mm -hmm. And then what is good guidance for future to protect you in the long term? Cause really the reason that a lot of organizations move to the membership economy is because it allows you more predictable cash flow. You know, there's, there's fewer kind of ups and downs, even in hard times. And we're seeing, the side note, uh, company Zora uh, just put out their subscription index, the COVID-19 edition, and um, pointed out that of all of the companies that are on their subscription billing platform, only 11% of them are seeing a decline in membership. So subscription mm. is a very solid, sustainable business model that tends to weather um, outside you know, ups and downs a lot better. So if you're in a business where, let's say you're the ice cream store or the, the retail shop and you don't have any kind of membership or subscription model and you're like, what do I do right now? I think what you want to do is, um, number one, take care of your customers as best as you can. Number two, um, think about whether there are ways that you can be helpful right now to 
prospective customers, people like your customers, but maybe tomorrow's or maybe yesterday's who left, can you do something for them right now with the skills and resources that you have? And then the third piece is to look at what can I do for my community? I think that it's always best to start from a giving perspective, mm-hmm. um, assuming that you know, you're not turning out the lights right now. Right. And then what you want to do is think about what goodwill do you have built up and what assets do you, do you have that can pivot to be helpful for today's customers? So, so one of the things that I talk about a lot is focusing on the long-term goal, the forever promise with your customers. So I go to an ice cream store because that's a way that I celebrate life's happy moments and get a little comfort in life's hard moments, right? right. If that's why I go to the ice cream store, how can the ice cream store help me now with some of life's hard moments or even to recognize the little happy moments? Right. And it might involve pivoting on what I do. It might, you know, so there's, you know, I can do delivery, I can do recipes, I can do education, I can do, you know, kind of, you know, selling stuff, changing my model. The other thing that you can do if you take a step back and if you have a little bit of cushion, so, so something that's really shocked me and sort of saddened me is how few businesses have any cushion to weather any kind of storm or even a little bit of rain, mm-hmm. you know, forget the big storm, like, the average American, um, more than more than 40% of Americans do not have $400 of savings to help them through an unexpected expense. Yeah, I've seen that study. Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just so, so the other thing I'd say to or, you know, small businesses is to you know, try to have a cushion. And while you have a cushion, invest in relationships. So what we're seeing right now with small businesses is the ones that have real relationships with their customers known relationships, those are the ones where the customers are coming to their rescue. So CrossFit is a great example. Um, you know, my sister and brother-in-law are members of the Church of the Holy CrossFit. And, um, you know, <laughs> or they cult, had to close, right? <laughs> the cult, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, they're, they're church members. And um, when their box had to close, over 90% of all members said, I want to continue paying. And the reason is they said, and this is how my sister described, she said, you know, we feel like it's ours, even though it belongs to Tim, you know, their box owner, their, their coach, we feel it's such a part of our lives and how we get satisfaction and meaning that it would be terrible if it wasn't there. Like, it's not a commodity. I'm not going to just go join Equinox or, you know, go do Orange Theory. This is, these are my people. This is my community and it needs me now. So we're just paying him. And I did a little bit of research and most, most, many, if not most of all CrossFit gyms are experiencing the same thing right now. That is, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, but it is still so fascinating and it's easier said than done, right? Um, I think something like CrossFit, they, it seems like that was always their, it was constructed with that community in mind, right? So maybe- That's, um, that's exactly it. Yeah. Construct your business model with your community in mind. That is my advice. Mm-hmm. Um, Short term, you're like, like somebody said to me, well, how do I quickly get a subscription in place? And, and I'm like, no, no, you don't subs- quickly get loyalty and engagement in place. You can harvest it if it's there. Um, you can invest in it. Uh, right. But it's, it's all about playing the long game. And if you're a small business owner in your ice cream store or your clothing shop or your accounting firm to survive and thrive through good and through bad, you know, having strong, trusted relationships with your customers and being willing to pivot on how you package 
the value that you can provide are two tactics, two ongoing strategies that you can use to weather almost any storm. Yeah. And, and as we get through this COVID-19 and um, I know you were, you write about this, but what are some things like what the membership economy is going to look like? And, you know, I, I hate to get people's crystal ball out, but also it's one of my favorite questions. Yeah. <laughs> like, my, you know, mine's downstairs. I have to run and get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, maybe the net, as I think this will have an effect on consumers um, for a, a a while, but at the same time, some people have short memories. So how is this, you think, going to uh, affect things going forward and specifically regards to you know membership? And- yeah, I think the biggest thing is that there are a lot of, like I've worked with a lot of companies that had a vision for a really great way of providing value in better packaging using, you know, digital elements. So creating a membership relationship, uh, providing a subscription priced option, um, but customers weren't willing to change their behaviors. It was a, the, the bar was too high, right? Mm-hmm. Um, example, my mom goes to the grocery store every single day and buys her, you know, dinner for two for my dad and her. Mm-hmm. She's not really interested in subscription delivery services, but, um, but guess what? <laughs> now yeah. she is. Mm-hmm. She's gotten over the hump of trying it. A lot of people who were resistant to Zoom and the other video, video conferencing tools, they've all tried it. And now they know how to do it. So it's one more tool in their tool chest. Now, I don't believe that we're going to be in this world where nobody goes to restaurants anymore and nobody meets in person and nobody gets on an airplane. But I do think that we're all going to have some new tools in our toolboxes that we're willing to use that we weren't willing to even try two months ago. Right. How important is what I've seen some of the companies I interact with, and even Zoom is an example, is like the important of it, it, a company being humanized. So like... Zoom's been in the news, I mean, of just some of the privacy issues and you saw their CEO get in front of it and say, hey, I screwed up and just kind of owning it a little bit. Um, How important is that? Well, if you think about, so when I I always, you know, think in this metaphor of membership and if you're in a relationship with a company, if you're in a relationship with a person and they screw up, you want them to say they screwed up and you'll forgive them and you'll mm-hmm. move on. And in fact, it might even make you like them and trust them more because you know how they behave when things go awry. And so in a membership model, that becomes more important. If, if you go into a store, if you're on vacation and you're in you know, some far off city, let's say that you're in Chicago, right? You're in, you're in Portland. You go to Chicago for vacation. Uh, you go and you buy a newspaper at a newsstand and they give you the wrong change. You give them a 10, they give you changes if it were a five. Mm-hmm. You're already, you know, you're already, you know, in your car and you realize that you got screwed, right? Yeah. Probably just gonna shrug your shoulders and say, oh well, right? You don't know that newsstand owner, you don't know those people, you have no trust in them, mm-hmm. no big deal. If your neighbor, if you gave your neighbor $20 for something that cost five and they gave you the wrong change, you'd feel violated, you'd feel cheated, it would hurt. And the result is that you would stop doing business with your neighbor and you would tell all your other neighbors, that guy's a jerk, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so to go back to the example of, um, of Zoom, you know, we trust, like I use Zoom, I mean, all these Johnny come lately, like I use Zoom every day. I was using Zoom every day last year too. <laughs> and when I started, you know, having, hearing about the Zoom bombers and, you know, about people, like I had the experience where I had a, you know, three o'clock meeting and a four o'clock mm. and the four o'clock guy showed up, popped up in my meeting because oh, I had right. no password. Yeah. So it was like the three of us all of a sudden. Yeah. 
um, which was really funny because they turned out to know each other, which was, which was <laughs> luckily, um, but they're owning, they're owning the problems and they're fixing it. So I'm saying, wow, I can really trust them. Like, look at how fast they're turning around, first acknowledging the problems, taking responsibility, and then they fixed it, yeah. right? There's waiting rooms now and there's automatic passwords and they don't turn on the, you know, I can control who gets video. Mm-hmm. So that's how you build trust. And that's, you know, back to this point about investing in the relationships because that's going to be, you know, in the same way that they say to invest for retirement, you should invest in your relationships because that's where you're going to get your long-term payback. Right. And I almost think it's a return to some, I grew up in a small town and I just think of all these small businesses I grew up with, like these are some of their tenants in general. And yeah. it's just like, I mean, I, the scale was much smaller. So I don't know what happened along the way, but it feels like returning to some of those, I own this shop. I'm going to take care of you. Something went wrong, you know, um, coming back to that. So I don't know if you feel that way, but it seems to me like it's a good thing. It is. It's it's a great thing that, that people are taking responsibility and are trying to build kind of real trusted relationships across, across time and space through digital means. What is scary to me is I see all these businesses closing, these yeah. small businesses. And, you know, my husband says to me, you know, we're going to be in a world where, you know, you can only go to Pizza Hut or Olive Garden or, you know, some yeah. massive chain instead of, you know, all the interesting and fun and quirky local places. And so we need to find a way, you know, first of all, I think they have a great opportunity to build these deep relationships with us. I think they're having a moment now where, their neighbors are realizing like, if we don't all band together, it's going to be no offense to Olive Garden, but it's going to be a world of, uh, yeah. of, of, of Olive Gardens and Pizza Huts. Mm-hmm. Um, so there may be a moment for these companies to reach out to their community and say, hey, I need your help or I'm going out of business. And then, you know, you're going to be stuck with, you know, strip malls and giant chains. Right. I, I've, I've, seen, I've gotten some of those emails from like some shops I've frequented and, you know, I've, I've, uh, I want to help, like because I have that same yeah. perspective. It's it's kind of sad it's come to that, but um, I also you know appreciate the transparency. So, well, Robbie, before we wrap up, um, where it's again the forever transaction, the membership economy. Where folks can find you? What's your what's your side? What are some? How can people follow yeah. you? And um, I'm super easy to find. RobbieKelmanBaxter.com. Uh, my email address is on the last page of both my books. So <laughs> you can always find me. Um, on, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, uh, Facebook, usually as Robbie Bax. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, those are, those are some places. I have the membership manifesto on my site and I also have chapter eight. I can give you a, um, a link to get chapter eight of the new book if you want to offer that to your you bet. Listeners. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. I'd appreciate that. And, you know, I hope all continues to stay well for you. And thanks so much for hopping on. And we'll get through this and hopefully sooner than later. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been really fun talking to you, Dan. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.